Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The return of Jesus in glory will rivet the attention of every eye on earth. History will culminate in one spectacular appearance that ends millennia of wrongs and ushers in a thousand years of peace after all the enemies of Christ have been vanquished. From the Moody Church in Chicago, this is Running to Win with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, whose clear teaching helps us make it across the finish line. Today, Erwin Lutzer continues a series on The King is Coming, Preparing to Meet Jesus. Now, the seventh of ten messages, The King Returns to Conquer. Today I have the privilege of speaking to you about the most dramatic, spectacular event in all of history that is still to take place. It is not only spectacular from the standpoint of Earth, but nothing like it has ever happened in the universe before, and nothing else like it will ever happen again. I'm speaking to you about the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And it's an event that we can all look forward to, but also, may I say, that it is going to involve us. As a matter of fact, the return of Jesus, this return of Jesus, will eventually affect all the people on the whole earth who have ever lived, either directly or indirectly. And for those who are alive, the billions that are alive, what an event it is going to be. I need to warn you in advance that uh, parts of this are going to be shocking because we usually don't think of Jesus in the way that I'm going to preach him today, but if we accept the Jesus, the loving Jesus, we need to understand that with that love there is also meticulous justice. So I invite you to open your mind, your heart to God and to his word. Now, when we think of the return of Jesus, as I've mentioned, it is best for us to understand it in two phases. In earlier messages, we talked about the rapture of the church when we are taken up. And uh, if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you'll notice that it is quite a different event than the passages we're going to return to today, because um, that is the glorious appearing of Jesus that takes place. And today, we're speaking about the glorious, visible appearing of Jesus on planet Earth. And what a, an event that will be. Just hang on to your seats, because you wouldn't believe it unless it were in God's Word. Now, let me say also that um, the reason for this is, first of all, to judge the Earth. You will be surprised at the unstoppable tsunami of justice that is hurled upon the planet, almost affecting our sensibilities. But also, another reason is so that the Jewish people who are alive at that period of time will believe on Jesus. You remember it says, Paul says, and so all Israel shall be saved. There are going to be a remnant of Jewish people who, when Jesus appears, will recognize him as Messiah, and they will be saved, and they will go into what we call the Millennial Kingdom. You say, well, what's the Millennial Kingdom all about? I'm so glad that you asked. You're a little bit ahead of me, but I'm always glad when you're thinking. And the answer is, the next message in this series is on the Millennial Kingdom, and I hope to answer at least a few of your questions at that time. 
Another reason is to show the absolute superiority of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, before we open the Bible, I have to ask this question. What will be going on on earth when Jesus appears? Antichrist will be in full bloom. The mark of the beast will be given to people. And if you don't accept the mark, you will be put to death. We talked about that. During the last three and one half years, he has awesome power, and all that dwell upon the earth worship him except those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, as we covered in the last message. But Antichrist, Satan, who governs him, he reads books on prophecy. He knows what the Bible teaches. He knows exactly what it teaches. He probably understands prophecy a lot more than we do. And he knows that soon Jesus is going to appear. And what he wants to do is to initiate one more solemn, massive assault on Jesus. And uh, that's why in the 16th chapter of Revelation, you can read this on your own, but in verse 16, that's the only reference to what we call Armageddon. Armageddon, of course, referencing the plain of Megiddo, about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And so the battle of Armageddon is in full swing. What is the battle of Armageddon? It says in the previous verses in Revelation 16 that the dragon, you remember the unholy trinity I explained last time, the dragon who is Satan, the beast who is Antichrist, and then the false prophet who is uh, representing the Holy Spirit in this godless satanic trinity, they open their mouths and from their mouths evil spirits come and uh, these spirits are sent throughout the whole earth to gather people together in Jerusalem. Now, the reason that they give for the gathering might be varied. Maybe they're going to say, we're going to take on Antichrist. But Antichrist knows exactly why they are gathering. It says in the Bible, in Revelation, to be there for the great war of God in the day of God Almighty. Final showdown Final massive showdown between Satan and Jesus. And that's the situation into which Jesus comes. Now, for every verse of Scripture in the Bible that talks about the first coming of Jesus, there are eight that refer to his second coming. So I have many options, and I'm going to ask you, though, I've chosen three of the most prominent, and we're going to look at all of those, and I hope that you have your Bible with you so that you can turn with me to three passages of Scripture, all describing the same event, but helping us to understand it from a different point of view. The first one is Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah 14. Take your Bible and uh, turn with me to Zechariah. If you find it hard to find Zechariah, remember, go to the division between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Go back four or five pages, because after Zechariah, there comes Malachi. So you're almost near the end of the Old Testament. I'm going to pick it up in chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses plundered. There's going to be actually warfare house to house in Jerusalem when all the nations are gathered there. 
And then you'll notice it says in verse 3, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. Now catch this. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. Wow, Jesus is going to come back to the Mount of Olives. How appropriate that his feet shall stand there. In the days of Ezekiel the prophet, we learn that the Shekinah glory left the temple area, Ezekiel said, and then it went through the Kidron Valley and it disappeared over the Mount of Olives. How appropriate that the Shekinah glory which disappeared over the Mount of Olives that that glory should now return in the person of Jesus, triumphant, the one who embodies the very glory of God. Furthermore, it is appropriate because Jesus ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And you remember how the disciples, as they were looking up and Jesus disappeared behind the clouds, and by the way, he's going to come back with the clouds, as we shall see, But when Jesus disappeared, you remember two men were there, two angels actually, who said, why do you keep gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who has gone up from you into heaven will likewise come back from heaven. And this is that event right there on the Mount of Olives. And that's why I always say to people that if you haven't had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem in this life and you won't have that opportunity... If you hang on to this message, I'll show you that if you're a believer, you're going to be there. And it's going to be the best tour group that you've ever seen in your life. And Jesus is going to be your leader. I mean, it is just unbelievable. You read this and you say, Lord, why not today? But I have to finish this message first. Now, uh, Jerusalem, the Bible says, is going to be the capital of the world. And if you, if you read the rest of the 14th chapter, it's got all kinds of symbolism. It's talking about living water coming from Jerusalem. It's talking about the name of God on horses' bridles, symbolic of the fact that God is going to be everywhere. And this is the millennial kingdom that I'm going to speak about next time. But there's something else that is going to happen. And that is, I told you earlier, that a Jewish remnant is going to believe on Jesus. You say, well, are you, where are you getting that? You know, that's a good question. Whenever you hear somebody speak, you should always say, now, where is he getting that from? So let me tell you, you have your Bible open to Zechariah 14. Go back a chapter or two to chapter 12. You'll notice it says in verse 10, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him. They are going to deeply regret that they misread the signals that they didn't understand Jesus was the Messiah. Look at what it says in chapter 13, verse 1. On that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. 
verse 9, and I will put this third into the fire. Two-thirds of the people are going to be killed, by the way. That's what it says in verse 8 during the Great Tribulation, horrendous things happening. But notice verse 9, I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is my God. Just as Paul wrote in the book of Romans. And so all Israel, a generation of Jewish people that are alive when Jesus Christ comes are going to believe on Christ, be cleansed from their sins, and will enter into the millennial kingdom because, after all, God even has some promises that he made to Abraham and to his descendants that haven't been fulfilled yet. My friend, as we think about the future, we're always reminded that when we are in Christ, we have so much to look forward to, beauty, glory, holiness, and above all, our Savior. I've written a book entitled, The King is Coming. We're making it available to you for this reason. We believe that it's going to help you on your spiritual journey. And we exist to put resources into your hands that will be an encouragement. It'll be a time of instruction. And I pray also a time of transformation. That was Erwin Lutzer introducing The King Returns to Conquer, the seventh in a ten-part series on The King is Coming. When Jesus returns, democracy will have run its course. He will rule with a rod of iron. Next time, more on The Conquering King's Return. The King is Coming is also a book by Erwin Lutzer, and we'll send it as a thank you for your gift of any amount to support Running to Win. Just call us at one 800 215-5001 That's 1-800-215-5001 Online go to OfferRTW.com or write to Running to Win Moody Church 1635 North LaSalle Boulevard Chicago, Illinois 60614 For Dr. Erwin Lutzer this is Dave McAllister Running to Win is a ministry of the Moody Church.